You're listening to the International Family Church Podcast. Our ministry philosophy can be summed up in one statement. It's not about building a great church. It's about building a great people. We do this through our regular weekend services, life groups that meet throughout the week, and by helping people connect to their God-given purpose. This year, our focus as a church is having the courage to connect. We're only a few weeks away from Easter weekend on Saturday, April 20th and Sunday, April 21st. Easter weekend's the perfect opportunity to reach out to the people in your life who might be far from God and invite them to join you at church. Don't miss the opportunity to help those around you connect with the help that they need this Easter weekend. Service times are Saturday, April 20th at 4 p.m. and Sunday, April 21st at 8.15, 9.45, 11.30 a.m. and 1 p.m. When women gather, anything is possible. This year, we're dedicated to having the courage to say yes to connection and taking steps towards personal and spiritual growth. That's why we're so excited for our New England Women's Convention to return this May from Thursday, May 9th through Friday the 10th. This event is the perfect opportunity for women of every background and age group to gather together to worship Jesus, celebrate one another, and strengthen their walk with God. We want to see you there. So ladies, save the date for this year's New England Women's Convention and visit newconline.com for more info and to register today. Now here's today's message. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for this great opportunity we have to study your word today. I believe, Father God, that it's your desire that we're not only faithful, but we're also fruitful. And we believe, Father God, that fruitfulness comes from your word. It comes, Father God, by, by trusting you. And we believe as your word goes forth, it does produce much fruit and much fruit that remains in our lives. We thank you, Father God, that what we're about to hear, because we mix faith with it, because we open up our heart to it, it will help us. It will change us. It'll make us better than we were when we walked through the double doors today. And we believe that as we walk out those same double doors, we'll be so glad we came to church today. We'll be so careful to give you all the honor and the glory. You're the only one that's worthy of it all. And all of God's people said a big amen. amen. Welcome to part three in our five-part series entitled The Cross, Why It Still Matters. Why It Still Matters. This series will take us right through to Easter. In this series, I'm dealing with the last six agonizing hours of Jesus' life and his last statements he made on the cross. These seven statements are just as relevant today in our everyday life as they were the first time Jesus spoke them. In fact, when you understand the depth of these statements, you will have a greater appreciation for the enormous sacrifice that Jesus paid so that we could walk in total freedom, total freedom from sin, from sickness, and disease. In fact, I believe this. It's true that, next one, each statement from the cross, there is a lot for us to learn about the heart of Jesus and about our hearts as well. I think this is is important because every statement that's made, Jesus never says something that's just to say it. Every statement made, I believe, says something about the heart of Jesus, his priorities, uh, what his death accomplished on our behalf. So many believers don't understand what his death accomplished. So many believers don't get the depth of what happened on the cross. And so each one of these statements reveal another blessing, another part of God's heart, another part of what we need to understand, to know about God, to know about Jesus, so we have the privilege of walking in it. 
And then what it also does, it reveals a lot about our heart as well. Every one of these show us our strengths and show us our weaknesses. Show us where we're good at. Show us what we're not so good at. It really is the great revealer. And that's the point. That's the point of understanding why the cross matters and what Jesus did for us so we can have faith in the work he did over 2,000 years ago. And we can allow him to continually do a fresh work in our hearts on a regular basis. I don't know about you, but I haven't arrived yet. Anybody here arrived yet? Uh, cut your hands a little bit. I know, I, I tricked you there. Um, no, we haven't, have we? Not one of us have. There's so much more to learn and to grow in doing it. In the last two statements we discussed over the last two weeks, Jesus uh, made while being crucified on a cross. And as Jesus hung between heaven and earth in excruciating pain, dying for the sins of mankind, he made his first statement on the cross. In fact, it was a prayer. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. He was offering himself to God as an atonement, an offering of atonement. At that moment, he was both high priest um, of, our, of the atonement that was necessary to pay the price for our sins, and he was actually the offering itself. Thank God, because of Jesus, our sins are forgiven, right? Our sins are forgiven, and that we can freely then learn to forgive others for what the hurts they've caused in our life. Amen. So we're very grateful for this prayer that he prayed. The second statement on the cross is a very important one. Here he responds to the penitent criminal, the criminal who was at his side. He responds to him as he cries out for mercy to our Lord. And Jesus responds and says, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This scene of Jesus hanging on a cross between Two criminals is probably the one of the most dramatic scenes you'll see and find in the Bible. Here, Jesus hangs between these two criminals, and because of his example, one of them rethinks his life. One of them rethinks his life because of the mercy that he sees, because of the strength that he sees, because he gets the fact that they, he deserved to be up there, Jesus didn't. And he cries out to God, he rethinks his life, and Jesus gives him eternal life. Amen. And that same assurance that Jesus gives the penitent and the repentant sinner is the same assurance he gives us. When you give your life to Jesus, you don't doubt your salvation. No man can take it from you. No devil can take it from you. No circumstance can take it from you. You know, you don't have to raise your hand every Sunday and re-give your heart to Jesus every Sunday. I get why some people do. You just want prayer. I get it. But you need to know, you need to have confidence and full assurance. You are the redeemed. You are saved. You are blood-bought. You are a child of the Most High God. Amen. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So the same assurance he gives this criminal is the same assurance, thank God, he gives all of us. The other picture that, he, that it shows us is Jesus' priority of his heart towards people who are far from God. He loved people far from God. Amen. And if Jesus loved the criminal, the prostitute, the person far from God, what about us? 
What about us as followers of Christ? What an example for all of us to stretch ourselves beyond our normal, what we think our own people, our people group, and to, and to recognize that Jesus died for a wide range of people. And that's why we believe God every Sunday for a wide range of people to come to International Family Church. Just as you are. Amen. Come high. Come full of whatever. You know, come all messed up. Come just beat up and broken down. Come to church. This is where you belong. Where else should you be on a Sunday morning? Amen. Coming to Jesus because he loves you. Oh, I love that. This is so good. Amen. Think about it. The the next person that entered heaven after Jesus was an ex-con. I don't know about you, but I think that is super cool. Amen. Our third statement from the cross is found in John, the Gospel of John. Remember all four Gospels? This is where we get our seven statements. Um, Luke, we read about our first two. John exclusively uh, records a conversation here that we're about to read. Remember the context from which Jesus is speaking his last words. He's exhausted. He hasn't slept. He's gone through six sham trials. All of them were illegal because they were at nighttime, which was illegal, undercover, if you will, three trials from Roman leaders and three trials from the Jewish religious leaders. Now, he is sentenced to a death sentence of crucifixion. He is brutally beat up. He is violently nailed to a cross. He is bleeding out. He is losing his strength. He is suffering the most horrendous death a human being could ever experience. It's from that context that Jesus makes each of these statements. It's a chaotic scene with a screaming, angry mob as the backdrop. Jesus looks down at his grieving mother and his best friend, and he speaks to them. And this is the third statement that Jesus made on the cross. John 19, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his brother, his mother there, and the disciple, now John's writing this, doesn't even use his name, uses the word disciple. Uh, Historians say it's because of his own humility, but he's talking about himself here. And the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. He said to the disciple, John, standing next to her, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple, John, took her into his house. This is an amazing story. And by by this time, we know that Mary was a widow. Joseph, her husband, Jesus' stepfather, is already dead. He died sometime after Jesus was 12 years old. There's no record of Joseph after Jesus visits the temple, and he was around 12 years old at the time. And so we know that during that 12-year period, John the Apostle, John the beloved disciple, took good care of Jesus' mother. See, in the grand scheme of everything that's going on during these last six hours of Jesus' life, were these words really that important? As I said already, Jesus never says anything that's unimportant. So we must learn something from there. What do we learn from this conversation? What do we learn from this exchange that's taking place on the cross? 
we learn something, I believe, that's very important. Jesus giving us an example and showing to us how much he prioritized his family. His deep love, concern, and sensitivity he had for his mother who was grieving in pain. So for this example, Jesus teaches us two very important life lessons. These are life lessons that we can't assume you learned growing up. We can't assume that you had a good example about. You can't assume, and Jesus makes no assumption here, thinking this is going to be like, uh, who cares? This is no big deal. We all know this. This is not why Jesus says what he says. And so he makes the first life lesson is very plain. He says, number one, the first lesson you must learn from this is, I must care for my own family. I must care for my own family. Love is not just something you say. It's something you do. Love is an action. Love isn't love until you what? You give it away. Love has to be given away. Love is not something that, that we just frivolously say. For it to really be love, i got to say something. There must be action involved. There must be something that I give of myself to you. So in the midst of Jesus' excruciating pain, as he suffers, two main things come to mind of this example of how he carried, cared for his mom. He did two things that day. He gives his mom his undivided attention. And two, he provides for her practical needs. Let's unpack that. Those are the same thing God expects from you today for your family. How do we do this? Let's talk about this. What does Jesus do? Well, as I said, he gives her his undivided attention. Attention is one of the greatest gifts you can give to your family. Attention is far more valuable than money. You can always get more money, but you can't get more attention. I remember one time when, when our children were small, I was watching sports on television, and I was very focused watching this particular program. And I was, as I was watching this program, as I'm focused, I can hear Lori, my daughter, say, Daddy. I said, yeah. Daddy. I said, yeah, Lori, what do you need? Daddy, yeah, Lori, what's up? And I remember she took her little hands against my face, right? And she did this. Daddy, look at me. Right? Daddy, look at me. See, attention is the greatest gift you can give anybody, especially your family. Why? Because it's more, it's, your attention is your time. And your time you can't get back. So when I give my family my attention, I give them my heart, the most valuable gift I can give. Please picture the scene, the real-life drama that's taking place now at the foot of the cross. Think about it. There's an angry mob screaming. Jesus is dying. His mom is suffering as she watches her son die. In the midst of all this chaos, listen, in the midst of all this chaos, two people who love each other, their eyes lock. Jesus looks down and sees his mom, and he looks and locks on to her grieving eyes. Mary looks up at the cross, 
and gets a look in Jesus' eyes as life slowly drains from them. This is a real-life scene. This isn't some movie made by Hollywood. At that moment, there is laser focus. At that moment, the screaming crowd and all the craziness of life, it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. We call that undivided attention. That's what's taking place at that moment. This past Wednesday, my daughter and I had a daddy-daughter date. We spent three hours together eating at a great restaurant, talking about life. You know, I could really tell you, I don't remember the waitress's name. She was very pleasant. I don't remember who sat around us. I don't remember anything else that happened in that restaurant except the joy I had of giving my daughter and my daughter giving me three hours of uninterrupted attention. How awesome that was. See, we all must do a better job, including me, a much better job at giving those that we love our undivided attention by being present. Amen. Not by being in the same room, on everybody on different devices and, and watching different programs and, and not having dinner together. There's something we need to do that we need to do much better. Jesus is letting us know here, hey, hey, all of us can do a much better job at giving undivided attention to your spouse and, and to your children and to your, to your relatives, to, to your siblings. And there's no doubt we can all do a better job about that. Can I hear an amen in the house today? Exodus 20, 12 says, honor your father and your mother. You see, it's not an option. It's actually a command. In fact, it's the fifth commandment in the Bible, and it's right above murder and adultery. That tells you something about God's priority, about honoring your father and your mother, and it is a commandment with a promise. We read what that promise is in Ephesians chapter 6, 2 and 3. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. It's the fifth in the list, but it's the first with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, why did the Lord, why did God see so fit to add the promise? Because he knew how difficult this would be. And some of us needed some motivation like long life, live well, right? Amen. That's quite a motivation, right? That's quite a motivation. I want to live well. I want to live long on this earth. Well, that's the, the, the commandment with the promise. If you want to live long, if you want to enjoy long life on the earth, then we need to honor our father and our mother. Now, notice it doesn't say, honor your father and your mother for what they have done. Because they might not have done very good. In fact, they might have done some very bad, right? God says, honor your father and your mother because God chose them to have the perfect DNA to create you. They may have been good parents. They may have been bad parents. They may have been absent parents. They might have been abusive parents. They might have been parents that you never, ever met. Amen. The Bible says to honor them because God used them. If God didn't use them, you and I wouldn't exist today. That has nothing to do with parenting skills. 
This has nothing to do with anything that they did good or didn't do good at. And by the way, there is no statute of limitations on this command. It doesn't run out when you're 12. It continues as long as they live and even after they die. We are to honor our father and our mother. It's a commandment because this wouldn't necessarily be easy for all of us. It's easier for some of us than others. And it's very difficult, different for, for, difficult for others. That's why it's a command. Amen. The second way you and I care for your family is by providing. He provides for her practical needs. Jesus did what? He provided for her practical needs. The last earthly task, listen, listen, listen. The last earthly task a dying Jesus did was to make sure his mother was taken care of. He's dying for the sins of the world. He has all this pressure. He feels all this. He's, he's going to go to hell and take all of our sins with him. He didn't commit the sin, but our sin is on him and in the midst of that eternal um, uh, responsibility that we couldn't even imagine the pressure that he felt, he took the time to check on his mother. Wow. Mary at this time is a widow. And she's getting older and doesn't have many earthly possessions herself. We're not sure about how many, how much earthly possessions Jesus had. We didn't know if he owned a home or, or he, he, we know he, he owned what was on his back that day. We don't know if he had a, a lot of wealth or earthly possessions, and, and, and we don't know about that. But let me tell you what we do know is we knew that we know that, that, that whatever he had to give her, uh, it paled in comparison to the fact that what he did have, though, was his most prized gift, his best friend. He entrusted the care of his mother's well-being to his closest disciple and friend, John. According to historians, Mary lived out her days with John in the town of Ephesus on the west coast of what we know today as Turkey. I have visited. It's quite a place. You can even visit what some believe is the home that John built for Mary to live her life out comfortably. We know that Mary lived 12 more years after the resurrection of Jesus. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But here's what 1 Timothy says. Here's what the Bible says about all, all this. He says to the church, show respect for widows who really are all alone. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn first to carry out their religious duties toward their own family, and in this way, in this way, provide for their practical needs, and in this way, go back to that, please, and in this way, repay their parents and grandparents because that is what pleases God. Notice again, please. It talks about what? Back to the next one, the previous one. What does it say? What's this? Religious duties. Oh, he calls it religious duties. He says, you have a religious responsibility. By virtue of being a child of God, by virtue of being a follower of Christ, now there is no excuse. You have religious 
duties. Amen. You want to please God? Take care of your aging father. Take care of your aging mother. We all know we're supposed to take care of our children. Amen. But we're also supposed to do our very best to take care of our parents. Many of us are doing just that as our parents are getting older. I remember a few years back, my wife and I felt such urgency to provide a place for my parents to live so we could take care of them. It's not like they didn't live in a great place. They were very comfortable, healthy, and strong, living in a very nice condo. But we couldn't get rid of what we knew we were supposed to do. And so we pressed. And it took some time. And it took some work. And it took the work of other people to come join us and be with us. And, and finally, we provided a place in our home for them um, so, that, so that we could take care of them. I didn't know. We didn't know at the time, 18 months later, my amazing dad would go home to be with the Lord. And my mom was here in the first service and, and looked at her with tears in her eyes. They were amazing 18 months. I would have missed out that close relationship with my father 18 months. And now we get to take care of mom. A mom is healthy as can be. She can outpace all of us. 87 years old. My goodness. Are you kidding me? That girl is strong. She really is. We say we take care of her, but really in reality, she's taking care of us, right? We can check up on her and she can check up on us anytime that she wants to. Amen. I love that. I love the fact that that worked out the way it did. I love Proverbs 17, 17 in the Message Bible. Friends love through all kinds of weather and family stick together in all kinds of trouble. I love that sit together. I think of that and I, I hear show up. They stand up. They speak up, right? They, they hold up through thick and thin no matter what. That's what family does. And family's supposed to come to each other's aid. I didn't say that it's hard. It's easy when you have a, a kind of weird Uncle Al. Everybody has a weird Uncle Al. Hope there's no Al's around. Amen that are really actually that way. But everybody have some relatives that we think, what? You know, and it's not easy taking care of parents and, and the relationship and the complexities and the drama and the unfulfilled expectations. Oh, my goodness. And it's just so true. But nonetheless, it's what family does. As we said, Jesus' example on the cross, we learned two very important life lessons. The first one, we said, I must care for my own family. And number two, let's close with this. I must treat other believers as my family. I must treat other believers as my family. Your first priority is, of course, you take care of your family. Then we must learn to take care of our church family, your brothers and your sisters in Christ. Amen. 1 Timothy 5, it tells us this. Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brother. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sister. Here's what I learned. I learned I have many spiritual brothers and sisters. Amen. Different backgrounds, different languages, different color skin, different, different loves and likes. And, and you are my brother and you are my sister because of the shed blood of Jesus. Look at our big family. Look around how wonderful this family is. You have brothers and sisters. Amen. And I'm so grateful for that. And 
I have some spiritual fathers in the house. I have yet to found some spiritual mothers because I've yet to find some women who admit they're an older woman. <laughs> That's right. So I have a lot of 70 and 80 year old sisters. <laughs> right? But you get the point this morning. We have a responsibility here at IFC to take care of and develop caring relationships with people that are older and younger than we are. It's a responsibility. If you are a partner and a friend and a, 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 a brother and sister here of this house, we have a responsibility. We can do a much better job taking care of each other. When you come on a Sunday morning, you don't come just for yourself. You don't come just to punch in. You don't come just for the luxury of getting a word for you. And I believe God gives you a word. He's given you one today. But we come recognizing, man, I'm rubbing elbows with a brother and a sister and a, and a, 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 a father and a mother who won't admit it, but she is, right? And we, we rubbing elbows with these people. We need to take care of each other and do a much better job to be aware of the needs that are in our midst. We need to care for each other. Galatians 6 verse 10 says, when we have the opportunity to help anyone, we should do it. But we should give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. That's usens. That's us. That's weans, right? That's all of us together. We need to care for each other. How in the world do we do that with a growing congregation? You ready? Here comes my small group message. Right? Here it is. How in the world can we take care of you? How in the world can we do a good job doing what the Bible tells us to do if we're not in a small group? Amen. Small groups are important. I thank you for those that called the office and let us know when you're going through issues and you talk to us in person or you call us. I appreciate that. I value that. But it's impossible to take care of all these needs, just us in the office, right? We'll do our best job possible, but you need to help us help you. Amen. When you join a small group and you're part of a small group, they know when your season changes. They know when times get tough. They know when thought things get crazy and drama happens. And, and that's how we can best take care of you. I heard an amazing statement recently, just this past week, from Pastor Chris Hodges. He said this, a small group is not a meeting, it's a relationship. I thought, wow. I never heard anybody put it that way. How good is that? You think a small group is a meeting. You think it's a class. You think it's a chore. But really, in reality, according to God's Word, and according to how we believe, you'll hear this all the time now, it's actually a relationship. It's actually how we take care of each other. It's actually how we love each other. It's actually how we make a point of making sure we stay in contact with each other. This is not only a small group message, it's also the next steps message. Today is step one. What a great time to start next steps. What a great time to get a part of our growth track. Learn who we are. Become a partner here. Become a member here. Amen. Learn the gift that you have and then use that gift to be a blessing to others. Wow. I'm telling you, that is amazing. That's how we take care of each other. Amen. Two final thoughts before I close. I feel compelled 
to say this to you today. I know this is for somebody. It's by no accident that John includes this story of Mary in his gospel. I believe it's by no accident because this is a real life mom. This is a mom who watched her son suffer and die. This is a mom that knows what it's like to lose a child. This is a mom who's grieving, a mom who's brokenhearted, a mom that's overwhelmed. A mom like any other mom would think, I would never want to outlast my children, outlive my children. But yet here she is. I have to believe that while Mary was devastated, I've got to believe her last 12 years were her most productive. I've got to believe the Mary, as a young woman, said yes to the Holy Spirit that she was pregnant by the Holy Ghost, right? She said, yes, be it unto me according to your word. That same Mary that approached her fiancé, Joseph, to have to give him the news, the same Mary that carried Jesus so that he could be incarnate, his flesh could come together so he could be the answer to this world situation, this same Mary is the Mary now that has a choice to make. She could let her life be over out of the devastation of a loss of a child. I can't prove it to you because I don't have the scripture to do it. But I don't believe because I know the God I serve that, Jesus, that Mary wasted her last 12 years. I've got to believe that G Mary lived out her son's legacy. I've got to believe because that's what God wants from us. I've got to believe that Mary somehow turned it around. That Mary said, I will not let this loss just, um, cause me to stop living. I will not let this loss cause me to give up. I'll not let this loss make me shake an angry fist at God. I'll not let disappointment overwhelm me. I'll not let my life be over. And I believe she allowed God to turn this pain into a gain. And I believe she was a blessing to many other moms who also lost a child. You got to know that's true. You got to know that God will never waste pain. That it will offer that pain to God like I believe Mary had to. She offered her pain to God. And I believe in so doing, God graced her to use that pain to be a blessing to others. I want to say to you today, if you've lost a child, I'm sorry. My heart breaks with yours. That you would have to go through such pain in your own life. But I can tell you, like Mary, your life's not over. You've got work to do. It's time for you to turn that pain over to God that I'm sure Mary had to. Turn that pain over to God and realize your best days are right ahead of you. That you could be a blessing to so many people. So many people that don't understand. I couldn't understand. I didn't walk in those shoes, but you did. You have a story to tell. It's a, an important story. And it's a story that'll help so many others. Amen. My last point is this. You know where you go when you have pain? You go to Jesus. I believe that no matter what pain you're going through today, listen very carefully, 
no matter what pain you're going through today, the only way to get the comfort you need from that pain is you got to be close to Jesus. What would have happened if Mary and John that day were far away from Jesus at the foot of the cross? Like all the other disciples, like all the hundreds of, of followers of Christ that abandoned ship that day. Imagine if they weren't there, they wouldn't have gotten and received the blessing from Jesus that he was able to give them because they were up close. I believe it tells us this, that whenever you're in pain, the best place to get set free is always found at the foot of the cross. That's the place we come today. That's the place we are today. You that are in pain, whatever way the pain came, whatever's going on in your life, pain is pain. We have different ways of getting to pain. But man, we all can relate to pain. We can all relate to this. And Jesus is not hiding his pain. He, he's not hiding his pain. Statement number one, it's a big, wide open statement. It's for the world. Father, forgive them, all of us. They don't know what they're doing. It narrows to the penitent criminal on the cross. And it narrows even more down to his grieving mom. I love that. You know why? I'm a mama's boy. I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm a mama's boy. And the fact that Jesus was a mama's boy, the fact that Jesus pointed out his mom and dealt with her pain, that to me is a revelation. That to me is life changing today. So I pray today you'll bring your pain to Jesus. I pray today you'll bring your pain and always bring your pain to the foot of the cross because there's room at the cross for your pain. There's room at the cross for your heart. There's room at the cross for what you're suffering through today. There's room. And the beautiful thing is, let's leave it at the cross today. Let the Spirit of God heal your heart and heal your soul and give you a reason to get up in the morning, have a song in your heart and a spring in your step because that's the kind of God we serve. It's amazing what we can learn from a statement from the cross. Wow. I hope you learned something today. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Father. Lord, we love you today. Will you raise those hands towards heaven with me, please? Tell the Lord you love him today. Oh my, thank God for the cross. Thank God it still matters. Thank God for Jesus' heart that we get to uncover, that we get to explore. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Come on, love him for a moment. Lift up your voice. How grateful you are for his sacrifice. Thank you for suffering for me. The most horrendous death that a human being could experience. You did it all for me. You did it all for my family. You did it all for my well-being. Thank you. Oh, my, my, my. Where would I be without your suffering? Where would I be unless you stood in my place? Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for making alive in our hearts today all that you went through for me, for my kids, for my husband, my wife, my parents, my siblings. 
Oh, Jesus. With every head bowed, please. Pastor Mo is going to come in a moment and close the service. You're here today and you'll say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I want to know him. I didn't realize he went all through all that he went through for me. Pastor, I need him. I need his forgiveness. I need a brand new start. I need my sins forgiven. I want heaven to be my home. I want a brand new start. It only happens when you say yes to Jesus and you allow him to come into your heart. He forgives you. He transforms your life forever. I have all this pain, all these unresolved issues, all these things in my life that separate me from God. It's time to take a step today. Take a step towards Jesus. Take a step towards forgiveness. Take a step towards restoration. Take a step towards new life today. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand for those who need Jesus today want to pray that prayer. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand to come forward. I want you in full intentionality today as your own free will to say, that's me. I need Jesus today. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I need him today. I'm not taking another step forward without him living in my heart, setting me free. That's you today. I want to pray for you. Will you raise your hand nice and high if that's you today? Raise it up high. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. God bless you. Yeah, I see it. Thank you. Who else? Raise it up. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Over here. Yeah, thank you. I see it, sir. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. God bless you. I see it. Awesome. Anybody else today? Thank you. Good for you, ma'am. I see it. Thank you. I see it back there. God bless you. Who else? That's the greatest miracle, you know. The best miracle of all is the miracle of, of, of a life change. Thank you. I see it up front. God bless you. Good for you. If you're not sure today, make sure. We're going to pray a prayer today. We're going to solidify your brand new beginning, your forgiveness, your brand new start in Christ today. Anybody else? Raise it up high. You that are joining us online, live today, this we are talking to you too. Anybody else? All right, let's pray this prayer. Mean it from your heart today. You who raise your hand, we all join you together. Pray it with me. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. I'm done doing it my way. I need you, Jesus. Forgive me from my sin. I denounce my past. I want to live for you. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. I surrender under your Lordship. I receive by faith forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Oh, come on, let's thank him today. Yeah, thank God. Now, Father, I pray for every person in pain today. Father, we take a moment and we allow you to minister to their heart like only you can. You know who you are. Just open your heart to him right now. Turn that pain over to him. Father, by your loving grace, 
with your loving arms, will you please wrap your arms around that person? Love them through this. The memory, the pain, what they saw, what they heard, what they experienced. I pray, Father God, that they'll allow you to love them. They won't be mad at you any longer. And Father, that you'll carry them through this next season as they turn this pain over to you that you'll restore and that you'll strengthen and you'll enable that you'll turn that pain around for their good and it'll empower them to stand up and say I'm not going to waste this opportunity I'm going to be a blessing to my world I'm going to make a difference I'm going to help some other mom and some other dad some other parent some other sibling some other friend so they won't have to go what I went through or even if they did they'll that we together can receive health and victory in our lives. Thank you, Father God. We turn the pain to you now. You turn it around for our good and for the good of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, find out our service times, or how you can get involved, please visit inclfamilychurch.com for more information. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.